when I look at a classroom event that we have and we're broadcasting it live, and I may have eight people in the live course, but I have 18 out on the web. That's the majority of your audience. So we have to start thinking about how do we embrace that audience? How do we create that experience? So multiple cameras, uh, having the speaker talk to the audience by using their names, knowing who is out there in the webcast, so you're engaging that audience. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Hey, welcome to episode 15 of Improv is No Joke podcast. Peter Margaritas here, and thank you very much for listening today. Today's guest is Hayden Williams, who was recently promoted to CFO at the Washington Society of CPAs. At the time of the interview, Hayden's role was the VP of Education, and the conversation is around the topic of professional education. I've known Hayden for about six years, we think. Uh, We met at a conference at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Just as a side note, the Stanley Hotel is where Stephen King got his inspiration in writing the novel, The Shining. The hotel plays the movie 24-7 if you care to watch it while you're staying there. It is a wonderful hotel, but I didn't get a whole lot of sleep for those couple of nights that I stayed there. As I've gotten to know Hayden over the years, I realize what a visionary he is in the areas of learning and development at the professional level. He has integrated technology in the classroom and online so that he can serve the members of the Washington Society of CPAs in their learning needs. For example, the summer I was scheduled to present a course at the Washington Society of CPAs, but the enrollment in the class was low. There was some discussion about canceling the course because the economics of bringing me out to Bellevue from Westerville is costly. We came up with an idea of holding the all-day course, but I was going to facilitate it from my office in Westerville using Adobe Connect. Now, I could see and hear the attendees, and they could see and hear me too. Long story short, it was a huge win-win for everyone. Being a visionary means taking risks, and Hayden, by far, is a visionary and an all-around great guy. Before we get to the interview with Hayden, I'd like to share with you a review that I received on iTunes from Allie McAdam, who wrote, Peter is such a great host and his guests are just as amazing. Love the key concepts of this show and the message that Peter is putting out there to his audience. I would definitely recommend this show to any entrepreneur or business owner working to build up their business and improve their communication skills. Thank you so very much, Allie McAdam, for that wonderful review. If you've been listening to this podcast, I would appreciate if you would take a moment and write a review. It helps the podcast gain greater visibility in the iTunes community. Here are the seven steps you need to take to leave a review. Number one, launch Apple's podcast app. Two, tap the search tab. 
Three, enter the name of the podcast you want to rate or review. Four, tap the blue search key at the bottom right. Five, tap the album art for the podcast. Six, tap the reviews tab. And finally, seven, tap write a review at the bottom. If you'd like to leave a review but remain anonymous, all you have to do is go to your iTunes account information page, go to the settings, and click Edit Nickname. Also, if you've not signed up for the SN Challenge, please go to my website, petermargaritas.com, and scroll down to the SN Challenge Call to Action, and click to register to begin building the effective habit of Yes and and the principles of improvisation. And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag Yes and Challenge. And by the way, I have been tweeting using this hashtag. If you're unsure what the Yes and Challenge is all about, I discussed it in detail in episode zero, so go back and take a listen. This week, I'd like to share with you an article that was published on CNN titled, Why Using Improvisation to Teach Business Skills is No Joke by Mark Tutton. In one of the interviews for the article, it was stated that improv teaches you how to think on your feet and react and adapt very quickly to unexpected events and things you may not have planned for. It applies to leadership and it applies to negotiation, where you never have control over what happens. Negotiation is a dynamic process. You have to be able to think on your feet and adapt. I've put a link to this article in the show notes, along with a link to an article that I published titled Successful Negotiating in Corporate America. Well, I believe my to-do list is completed, so without further ado, let's get to the interview with Hayden Williams. Hey, welcome to the Improv is No Joke podcast. This is Pete Margaritas, your host, and today I'm interviewing Hayden Williams, Vice President of Education with the Washington Society's Certified Public Accountants. Hayden, welcome to the show. I greatly appreciate you taking time to be part of my podcast. It's an honor, Peter. Thank uh, you. Thank you very much. Hayden, can you take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, and, and, and what do you do here at the Washington Society of CPAs? Sure. I am, as Peter said, I'm the Vice President of Education for the Society, and I started off as a CPA almost 20 years ago. I worked in a small public firm in Arizona, and from there, I went on to become the Vice President of Education for the Arizona Society of CPAs, worked there for about seven years, and had a dream of living up in the Northwest, and had an opportunity to come up in and be the CFO here at the Washington Society of CPAs. And so I started there. I worked two years as a CFO and then was asked to transfer into education and run the education department here. So we provide about a thousand webcasts and webinars to our members, 300 live programs, and we actually webcast a hundred of those. And then we have 15 conferences and we webcast five of those conferences as well. So we're really heavy into the technology and have been for about the last five years. So uh, how long have you been in the association world? About 17 years. About 17 years. And no matter whether it's the Washington Society of CPAs or the Columbus Bar Association or the Real Estate Association, how have you seen the education landscape change during this period of time? Well, in the last, I'd say, seven years, six years, 
education has changed dramatically with the introduction of the internet. The internet was always here, but when the downturn in the economy came, I'm not sure if people were looking for new opportunities or what it was, but there was an onslaught of education being provided via the web. So whether it was self-study, webcast, or webinars, and that changed the landscape totally for CPE, where a state society or a county bar association had a geographic lock on education that doesn't exist anymore. So where we had seven years ago 400 live programs and a few conferences, we actually had to reduce the number of live offerings and start in on the webcasts seven years ago because of the the change in technology and the use of technology for uh, CPE purposes. This change in technology, and I, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that I understand Hayden's love for the Pacific Northwest because I'm actually sitting in his office today, and it's actually sunny in Seattle. It's beautiful it's, today. It's be- absolutely beautiful today. But I, I, I've been in the continuing education business for quite some time, and what I can say with I've known you for a number of years. We can't figure out if it's five, seven, something along the time. Right. But the one thing that I've noticed about you and the way your your approach to education is you're very adaptable. You you you're not you know you're not stuck in it. Well, this is the way we've always done it. You have this approach and demeanor about through conversation on how can we fix this, how can we make it better. In a lot of ways. I think a lot of other associations aren't going down that path. How have you been able to be successful? And, you know, sometimes visionaries are chastised initially, but, you know, once it's seen, then they're glorified. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Well, it was clear after the downturn in the economy, I mean, the, the attendance at our live courses dropped dramatically, and we had to do something. And so... We actually had seen a, a piece of equipment called a TriCaster, and I realized that if I bought that TriCaster and a couple cameras, that I could do some of my own webcasts. And what would happen if we did something like that? Well, as luck would have it, we actually did our first webcast before I was the uh, CFO, or before I was the VP of Education. And we had 300 people from all over the country attend this 990 course via webcast. And that that had always stuck in the back of my mind. And so I thought we should be doing this on a regular basis. And so we bought the equipment and we actually started producing our own webcasts a week later. And what we did was we uh, packaged them up and, and um, sent them off to a, a platform to replay out to let's say 46 states and our ethics course was just had done very well. So we knew we had a hit there. So we've really embraced technology. We have partnerships with uh, all five or six states that we webcast and they will buy our webcasts. We have webcasts that we purchase from other entities. And so we really embrace that technology and we're not worried about, Saturation, saturating the market, we will have a class, let's say, on 1040s, and three days later, uh, we'll have a webcast of a 1040. What we're trying to do is penetrate the market as much as possible with all forms of 
CPE, meaning webcasts, webinars, seminars, and it might be the same subject matter. But if we don't have that class for our, our members, somebody else is going to, and they can use the web to easily do it. So we came up with a concept seven years ago called the one-stop shop. So we try to provide all of our, all of the self-study that they would need, all of the webcasts and webinars that they would need, and, and conferences and live seminars. And that's really helped us. We haven't grown the market such, but we've certainly maintained our market share where I can tell you that a number of other societies, associations are decreasing. We've been pretty good about maintaining that market because what's happened is the live seminar, what we call live butts and seats, people actually coming to the event has decreased, but we increased in self-study, webcasts, and webinars by really embracing technology, not being worried about stealing a live button seat for a webcast. What we've done is we've known that's going to happen. Somebody's going to steal it, so we stole it ourselves, and that really has helped us. So just so the audience knows, because uh, whether they're in uh, a CPA or the the law uh, profession or whatever, give me the definition or the difference between a webcast and a webinar. A webcast is a video and audio presentation with a PowerPoint. A webinar is the audio and the PowerPoint presentation. So the difference is you've got a talking head on a webcast. Now, entities will use the webcast title, and it might be a webinar, and it really is just a marketing ploy because you get there and it's actually a webinar. But that's what you should expect when you hear a webcast is there should be a a video and audio portion to the PowerPoint presentation. And these webcasts that are video, they're live. They're not pre-recorded. Well, the webcast can be pre-recorded, okay. and but they're considered live. Now, this is for CPA education and maybe same rules for other entities, but a webcast can be pre-recorded as long as the speaker is there present at the time of the showing or the rebroadcast. So they're there to answer questions. Typically what happens is somebody will have a question, they email it, and that speaker needs to be available to answer the question at the time. And that's still considered live, even though it's been recorded. So it could be a live broadcast and the speaker's there to answer your question live, or it could be pre-recorded, but the speaker is still there to answer your question live. Okay. Got it. And, and from a, a, a webcast perspective, you've been able to grow the size of your conferences dramatically by having them or certain sessions within that conference webcasted out to your audience, whereas before there could be a lot of constraints that might not bring someone to your conference. Now they can attend, lack of a better term, sitting at home having a cup of coffee and their slippers. That's right. So we've grown with the conferences that we do webcast in some cases, as much as 20%. So we've got a fairly sizable audience coming to 40 to 50 people. And we try to create the an atmosphere, because we've got three or four cameras at the conference, and we try to create that atmosphere as if they were there themselves. And so we do close-up shots. We have what we call lower thirds, where we introduce the speaker across the bottom of the screen, and we change up the different angles, camera angles, so that way people will, it's not not just one shot. I think that's important is to have varied angles so people are 
if they happen to look away or they lose their attention span, the camera angle will change and might bring their attention back to what's being said and, and have them refocus. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that's a challenge for anybody who has ever taken a – I have a challenge if I'm taking a webinar is maintaining that focus. That's right. I have a greater opportunity maintaining the focus with a, a video feed on it as well as just from the visual stimuli. You're giving me different camera angles. You're, you're helping me try to stay focused versus right. drifting off and – what was that, a squirrel that went by? No, okay. That's exactly right. Okay, so we, you went from Cheeks in the Seats seminars. Right. Saw the that audience decline, put in the webcast, webinars, self-study. Things have maintained. You haven't lost market share, but you said that you've done better than most. Right. And my question is, this is 2016. Where's the future out there? And continuing education for CPAs, for attorneys, for engineers, for realtors. What is that plat? What, 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 what do you see out there as what's potentially next? What keeps you up at night, Hayden, as it relates to this? CP in general keeps me up at night. When I think about the vastness of what could be and what needs to be, I can't get my arms around it sometimes. But what I'm working on next is I think we still need to work with webcasts. I think they need to be more interactive, webinars more interactive. I think that the speakers that are working in this venue need to also be thinking about how they can be create an experience, if you will, for the web audience, because this is only going to grow. When I look at a classroom event that we have and we're broadcasting it live, and I may have eight people on in the live course, but I have 18 out on the web. That's the majority of your audience. So we have to start thinking about how do we embrace that audience? How do we create that experience? So multiple cameras, uh, having the speaker talk to the audience by using their names, knowing who is out there in the webcast. So you're engaging that audience for the webcast. The webinars, that's, that's tough. But I think also there's engagement there. There's an opportunity to engage. And I think you have to use the folks that are on the webinar. You need to use their names when they're asking questions. Ask people to ask questions. Engage them differently. So I think there's also an opportunity in self-study where I think we need to start looking at how to create an interactive environment with self-study as well. A true interactive environment where maybe the speaker is also available not on demand because that would be impossible, but the speaker might be available that's doing the self-study from two to four on Fridays. And so you would know that if you took a self-study program that that speaker was available from two to four and you could ask them a question about something that you were studying. I think that the millennials and the folks that are coming up after the millennials, all they know is digital And so we have to embrace digital on a constant basis. And so we've got a lot of work ahead of us. And as you were saying, I was thinking about my course today here. Yeah. And I made a comment. I said, maybe seven, eight years ago, if I came and taught a course and there's laptops up and people are on their iPhones, I I would feel, and I, I left a blank and someone said, disrespected. I said, probably along those lines. And I said, not today. Because we have to remember, a lot of people, no matter 
where the millennials, Xers, or boomers are taking notes on their laptops. They're taking notes on their iPads. They're taking notes on their phone. And, and as you're talking, we're thinking about this live audience and, and how to keep them engaged. And I just can't, I, this idea just popped into my head. Are we, are we utilizing Twitter in that virtual space out there to say, you know what, you may have a question. Why don't you use this hashtag? And there's some Twitter feed. I know there's platforms out there that you can ask it from a virtual environment and maybe be a little bit more engaged versus I, I may have to call in or there's a maybe a chat piece in there maybe to turn it into a live stream. And actually, uh, I, I've seen, it's been a while, but Tom Hood with the Maryland Association of CPAs right. had a live Twitter stream going at one of his conferences that people could ask questions. It just helped with that interaction from because CPAs don't really aren't the most gregarious people right. out there. So it, it, it inspired them to be able to ask questions without having to stand up and, and maybe feel embarrassed. As well as you've got this virtual world out there that how do we, how do we get them more engaged? Well, one of the notions, and this is going to sound way out there. I had this about four or five years ago and have yet to see it. But what if you could have the live audience and the remote audience using the same platform to take the course. So imagine this. So everyone has an iPad, and there's a piece of software that the instructor runs on each of your iPads. You sign up, and the software is downloaded, whether you're remote mm-hmm. or you're in the course. And so when the instructor is teaching, the book's in this piece of software and so when he turns his page remotely, he turns your page and you can take notes and those notes would be annotated. And then after the course is done, then this would be for both the remote and the live audience, that course goes up into their, their bookshelf, their digital bookshelf where it stays. So everything now is completely paperless. But what you do is you have, you've, you've taken the classroom and replicated, but digitally. And so then there could be opportunity in there to also type in questions to the speaker. Mm -hmm. And so there's that digital chat that I think most people are going to. When we think about the fact that anymore, I rarely talk to anyone. I text them. So I think we're going that way anyway. And I think you could get more involvement with something like that. But it's got to be a platform that everybody can use. So it, it's no different for the webcast audience or the live audience because I think you're still going to see people that want to take live. And I think there's a lot of value in live. So what if we could have some type of software that would basically replace the book and the, act, the classroom situation, but we digitize the classroom, so to speak? Well, that would keep me up at night, and that probably will keep me up tonight. Just thinking about that, how do you how do you do something like that? And, and I hear in creating this classroom experience, right, which is outside of a compliance role, because even though we have to have have to have X amount of hours in CPE, that's not the the real meaning of CPE. It's learning. It's continually learning, not checking off a box and if I've got these different platforms, I have to be as engaged online at a webcast to a webinar self-study as I do if I'm live and in person. Right. And I think that's a challenge a lot of organizations like yourself have is 
and and I think you're doing a you're doing a great job here in Washington and in, in embracing that and engaging that audience to do this. I, I think the challenge is what's next in creating a a classroom experience. And if I think about our audience, the size of the millennial population has exceeded the size of the baby boomer population. That's right. So baby boomers were now number two. We're not number one, and the only way we can be number two, uh, be number one again, is uh, we'll never be number one again. That's right. We won't. So we still need to respect that part of our audience, but I I truly believe going in the way of digital, virtual, mixed with live, because I still believe that there needs to be at some point some live, and having that blend is really where the future of continuing education in the professional marketplace will move. And if you're not moving down that space, you might be the next BlackBerry. Yeah, there's no question. And associations in general, all are facing this, all are facing this exact same issue. And I would be the love. I would love to be the guy that has figured that out. And I hope I am at some point. I think you're well on your way of being that guy. It's just resources, opportunity. But I think first and foremost, and I talked a lot about this today in my class, I think, I believe, I think, I believe you understand your audience. And that is number one. I think once you understand that audience, understand how they tick, what makes them work, then you can adapt to that situation. Right. In order to provide a learning experience that they walk away, whether it's a full day course or one hour course. So say if you can walk away with three takeaways from today, then I've done my job. And I believe that can be done in a virtual environment as well. Would you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Hayden, I'm glad I'm not you because <laughs> it doesn't look like it sounds like you get a lot of sleep. But you know what? We both. I don't get a lot of sleep, too, because I think a lot about the same things, about yeah. where this is going, because it's part of my my business model as well. But what I do know is that you are one of the national leaders in CPE education in the United States as it relates to the CPA profession. I've enjoyed working with you for, I can't remember how many years, but I don't care. I I, I, I enjoy our conversations. I thank you immensely for taking time out of your very hectic schedule and spending a little time with me talking about the future of continuing education, what you have done, what you've shared with our audience. And if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how, how can they get in contact with you? They can email me at hwilliams at wscpa.org. And the subject line, if they put Improv is No Joke podcast, just so you have an idea where this is coming from, would that help? That would be great. Super. Once again, thank you very much, Hayden, for your time. I look forward to interviewing you again here in the coming year or so to see what changes have been made, what changes you are making, and and more importantly, seeing the success that you're reaping from all the hard work that you've been sowing. Well, I appreciate it, Peter. Thanks a lot. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. There's nothing like spending time in the Pacific Northwest. The fresh salmon and halibut, quite frankly, are to die for. As you could hear, Hayden is extremely knowledgeable in the professional education world, along with the association business, and is highly respected among his peers in the CPA Association businesses throughout the United States. 
In thinking about how Hayden has incorporated improvisation into his business savvy, I think about the following. One, his ability to adapt to the changing landscape by listening to his members' wants and needs and offering them solutions along different service lines. Two, his respect for his members that the Washington Society CPA serve by not taking them for granted and consistently being innovated to meet their needs. And finally, number three, his creativity and innovation is driven by his yes and attitude because he's always moving the conversation forward in a positive direction. I've always felt that Hayden will make a wonderful executive director slash CEO of an association, especially a CPA association, because he strives to have a better understanding of his audience. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and write a review on my podcast. By writing a review helps promote the podcast to a larger audience. You can go to the show notes for the instructions on how to leave a review. And remember to sign up for the Yes And Challenge on my website, petermargaritas.com. Thank you again for taking time to listen to this podcast. In episode 16, I interviewed Kristen Rampey, who is the founder and CEO of Kristen Rampey Consulting. Until next time, use Yes And to gain a better understanding of your audience. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.